Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauley, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. This episode is the second part of a series of discussions on kingdom parables. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, Wes, we're back. Awesome. I enjoyed last week's conversation. I did too. And we, we were talking about kingdom parables and really kind of starting to dive deep into why Jesus taught that way and and the what the importance of that of him teaching that mm-hmm. way has the implication that has on on how we should listen and um and hear his words as Christians so we were we kind of stopped after he explains the parable of the sower yeah yeah and and yeah, and and I think that again, like we talked a little bit about how they're kind of riddles, and they're kind of and they're intended to be provocative. They're intended to be sort of accusatory, you know. And so we have to we have to allow them to accuse us. And you said something last time about how the familiarity with it um, sort of blinds our eyes to it. And and you pointed out about the the wheat and the tares, mm-hmm. how that one wasn't one that was super familiar to you. And because it wasn't so familiar, it it, it was able to challenge you. And I yeah. think sometimes we get so familiar with these stories and we heard them from the time we were kids. And so we associate them with kids' stories. And so we don't allow them to challenge us and to be as provocative as they're supposed to be. Right. Um, and I think there are some that are less familiar that actually can be more impactful yeah. because of that reason, because we're less familiar with them. And because they're so complex. Oh, and for sure. I mean, yeah. And, and I, as, as we, you know, as we kind of briefly touched on last week, like the now that I can kind of go back and and try to recapture, you know, the it trying to be the first time that I hear the Good Samaritan yeah. or the you know, and try to hear it for what it really is. But definitely those, you know, the wheat and the tares, the rich man and Lazarus, like mm-hmm. the complexity to those stories. I think definitely they reach out and grab you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So let's I, we we've brought up the the wheat and the tares a couple times. So let's let's look at that one. That's Matthew thirteen, starting in verse twenty four. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, "I like that saying." He put another parable before them, like here, mm. think about this, like here, <laughs> yeah. like 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 on a platter or something, like here, consider this, the kingdom of heaven. And again, I, we haven't really defined kingdom, but I, I think when we think about the kingdom of heaven, we tend to think about like going away to heaven, like some some time or place in the future. And right. what Jesus is saying, it's more like saying the, the equivalent to that in a secular sense would be the kingdom of Rome. So he's saying the kingdom of heaven, like heaven's rule and reign. And, and really, it's the kingdom of God. There's some scholars who think that Jesus used the phrase kingdom of heaven, or Matthew used that phrase um, because in a Jewish context, they try to avoid using the word God. Um, and so they would right. use something that's equivalent, you know, to stand in for the name of God in those types of uh, conversations, especially in the writing. And so he's saying God's rule and reign or heaven's rule and reign. And he says the the rule of heaven or the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? 
He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do, do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So again, I think it's important for us to recognize that he's talking about the kingdom. And then I think you have to sort of ask, well, what was the expectation about the kingdom? Yeah. And the expectation about the kingdom, when you read back through all of the prophets, and you read back through everything that the prophets said about the coming of this eternal kingdom that would never come to an end, when you look at Daniel or Isaiah or you know, any of the prophets, and, and consider what they said about the, the age of the Messiah, it appeared that far back, hundreds of years before Jesus, it appeared like what was going to happen was that the age of sin and death, the rule of the wicked, would come to an end at the same time Mm. that the rule of God began. And you would expect that. That would be the natural expectation, that the, the end of one age would bring the beginning of another age, and that one age would end at the same time that the next age, um, the one would end at the same time that the other one would begin. Right. Um, but but what Jesus seems to be saying through so many of his parables is that there's actually going to be an overlap. And I think my my belief would be that's what we've seen for the last 2,000 years, that the, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated, the yeah. kingdom of God has begun, but it hasn't yet reached its full fulfillment because— there are still enemies of God. (laughs) As long as there are enemies of God, the kingdom hasn't reached its full fulfillment. Because always, always, the idea of the kingdom is that God rules uncontested, Mm. that God rules in a way that he has no enemies, that every enemy of God has been put under the Messiah's feet, and that all enemies of God have been destroyed. That's always been the picture. And so we ask, well, has the kingdom come or has the kingdom not come? The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> or has the king, you know, is the kingdom a current present reality or is it a future hope? The answer is yes, it's both. The kingdom has come and it's coming and it will come. And so so I think that's exactly what Jesus is explaining. And he says, "Okay, <laughs> here's what's going to happen. The kingdom's going to come." And then you're going to be like, "Wait, Wait, but there's still weeds. Like, where did the weeds come from? I yeah. thought the kingdom came. Did you did you plant these weeds, son of man? Did you plant these weeds? And and the sower's going to say, no, 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 I didn't plant these. The enemy has come, and he's planted these things. And and then the expectation's going to be, so you're going to root all these up right now, right? Like, you're going to get rid of all the sin and all the bad wickedness, you know, all of the children of the evil one. You're going to get rid of all of this right now, right? Like, fix this problem. And isn't that what we've always been crying out? Like, if Jesus is in charge, then why all of this brokenness? Like, that's the tension. That's the paradox with which we are living in our current reality. Because we're saying, well, wait a second. Did did the Sunday of resurrection change things or not? Mm. If it did... Why is there still death? If it did, why is there still sin? If there, if it did, why do we have all of this brokenness in the world? And Jesus says, because the evil one has sown these things in the world. And if, if he was to tear everything up now, well, he says, you, you would still have wheat that was, that was sown together and you would accidentally pull up some of the wheat. Right. And, and, and we have to recognize that, right? Like, I mean, at what point in human history 
would we have preferred that Jesus finally do away with all evil? Yeah. Like before we became followers of Jesus? Yeah. Like I'm I was kinda... just going to say sometime after 1994. That's exactly like... right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, because it's like, well, I, I'm glad he's given me the opportunity to come into his kingdom. And yeah. if he had done it earlier, I wouldn't be here. And, and now here we are. And so he's like, just, just wait. Right. Because at the <clears throat> end of the age, then everything's going to be separated. Everything's going to be made right. But until then, then you're going to have the, the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one growing side by side. And and don't don't try yeah. to, to rid the world of them. That time is coming and it's not here yet. I think that was what, you know, as we're talking about it now and when I was kind of reintroduced to this parable not too long ago, that was what I was struck by was how hopeful it is mm, yeah. and how it's like, and how effectively he explains this is why it is like I you hear that and you go oh I that actually makes a lot of sense like he's he I again you know correct me if I'm wrong but what I'm kind of hearing as we talk about this parable is he's saying if we do it now if we if we pluck everything up now I'm gonna we're gonna get rid of a lot of wheat we're gonna mistake a lot of wheat for weeds yeah and but if we wait and we wait until it's done, then we'll be able to sort through in the aftermath after yeah. we've already plucked everything up. Yeah. We'll be able to sort through what's wheat and what's weeds. Yeah. And I think like that, that kind of not, not only does it make sense, but it's, there's also like a, there's a calming effect of like God telling you, this is why like that, that to me is very calming that yeah. God, you know, it, through his son is, is explaining to us, this is why it's going to be confusing for, well, at least the next 2000 years, you <laughs> right. know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think this is the, the same thing that, you know, that Peter talked about, you know, why people are going to, people, he says, people are going to be frustrated and say, you know, I, he's never coming back. You guys have been saying that for a long time now. He's never going to come back. And, and scoffers are going to come and they're going to scoff and they're going to say, you know, if if the Lord's going to come and make right. everything right, where is he? Because you've been saying that for a long time. And Peter says the reason he delays is is because he wants everybody to be saved. He yeah. wants everybody to come to repentance. He wants everybody to be saved. And so his, his delay is are people's salvation. And so, mm. you know, there is there is a paradox to Christian living that says we do cry out, come Lord Jesus, and everything that's broken and been alive. If 2020 hasn't shown us that the world is broken. I don't know what will, you know. And so we, we do say, ah, oh, come and fix all of this sin and death and brokenness. Fix it, you know? And 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 it's right for us to 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 think that way. It's right for us to pray those prayers. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we also recognize the reason he delays isn't because he's apathetic. It's right. not because he's like, ah, I don't really care. He, he, he delays because there is good intertwined with the evil there. And, and, yeah. and that's what we don't recognize is sometimes we say, well, fix, if God had, we didn't, we just think, you know, if, if God really cared, and in fact, this is why there are so many atheists in the world. I mean, I think this ah, this parable is so powerful because there, the majority, I would say, of people that I visit with that struggle with believing in God, mm -hmm. struggle to believe in a benevolent God. 
Right. What they, their, their struggle isn't with creation versus evolution or, you know, the intelligent design or something like that. Most atheists, that's not their struggle. Their struggle is if there is a loving, benevolent God, why is there evil in the world? Right. And it's like, that's a great question. That's a terrific question. That's exactly the question you ought to be asking, because that, of all things, is exactly what Scripture addresses from the beginning to the end. Why is there brokenness in the world? And right. do you not care? And Scripture even gives us permission to ask that question, do you not care? And so the question would be, like, why doesn't God show up and deal with all the evil? Well, that's what they expected to happen. They expected the Mm. Messiah to come and deal with all the evil. The problem is, what if he had? What if he had come exactly the way that they wanted him to? God, send your Messiah to come and deal with all the evil. And he shows up and he says, okay, that's all y'all. Like, all y'all, you're you're all gone. None of you are righteous. There's not a single one of you that can stand in my presence. So, okay, I dealt with all the evil, and it was all you guys. Yeah. But instead he shows up. And he plants the seed, and he allows it to grow. And he he allows the evil to go right beside it, because if he plucked up all the evil, that would be everybody, and it would destroy the field. And so instead, he allows the two to grow up side by side until the end of the age. And that's what—we are the impatient ones. We are the ones that say, God, come and deal with this. The problem is, we are the problem. (laughs) And we still need to be fixed, and he's still working on us individually and collectively. Yeah, as as you kind of think about it in terms of that, like, you know, the the foundation of reality, the you know the the reason for existence. When you start backing up and looking at it from that point of view, you see, like, uh, like I feel like a we annotator uh, at times because yeah, it's like yeah. I can I can I can I ask the same question of like if if God's there, if He's still, you know, I I I fear sometimes of having like almost a de- an unconscious deistic belief about mm-hmm. God. Like, oh yeah, I believe I, I have, you know, I have no problem with some of the basic tenets of belief, but do I really think he's like, he's still active? Yeah. I think that's something that's, yeah. that can be difficult. But when you back up, I, I think you can definitely appreciate that. It's like, okay, so you have this God who creates this world for, you know, it's from him. He's so I've always thought by default, he is the standard of perfection. He's the creator. Mm-hmm. You know, why is God perfect? Well, because he's created it. How, he, how can it be anything contrary to it? He can't be contrary to his own nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that happens, and then evil comes in, starts sowing weeds in with the wheat, the, you know, the, the, the loyal offspring of God. And, and I think in our, in our human mindset, it makes sense for, okay, is it going to be Jesus or is it just going to be God presenting himself to his, his creation? When that happens, I think that kind of makes sense that that's going to be brutal. Like that's because there's all this evil Mm -hmm. and while there's good, God can't, he can't, you know, he's not going to contend with the evil, but Mm -hmm. then it's surprising. I think, especially looking at it in hindsight and, I think unfortunately surprising for too many in a, in a different way at the time, mm-hmm. but it's surprising that he comes and he uses the, the opportunity to become incarnate, to become human and divine mm-hmm. and say, that's not going to be, this is, I'm, this is not the time for me to judge. Mm-hmm. This is not the time for me to sort through who's who. Mm-hmm. This is the time for me to, to teach mm-hmm. and to try to start, 
identifying and helping people identifying themselves mm-hmm. where are you at mm-hmm. and I, again we're talking about it in that way I, it just kind of blows my mind that like that we we have a god that would do that yeah. so it's like on the one hand i still have those questions like you were saying like scripture gives us the permission to ask that question mm-hmm. you know why would you allow all this and then the you know sort of an answer to that question is Jesus. I mean, you know, I don't mean to be the kid in the Bible class just saying Jesus is the answer to the question, but I think it is. It's yeah. like, yeah, he, is. Yeah. He, he's the answer to just wait. Yeah. Just wait because I want to make sure every, as many good crops get harvested yeah. as, as there possibly could be because, because when God comes and deals with, with evil, I think in, in in a judgmental way that that's going to be a disaster yeah that's going to be that's going to be you know it would it horrific. would be if it wasn't for the kingdom of heaven right. and and that's the that's the amazing thing about it because in our imagination there's two options the, we, if 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 there was a a world of deism mm-hmm. where god just simply created everything and then turned everything loose right then you would have a world that was just tears. It, it's just tears. There would right. be no good. None of us would be good. That's the problem. That yeah. if the Son of Man showed up to deal with evil, it would all be tears. But instead, instead the wheat is planted there as well, and and then the tares continue to be planted. And you know, it's a, it, it's right. it's both. And and so in our imagination, or with us, it would either be a barren field where God just takes everything out right. or just a, a field of, of tares. But but the truth is God is doing something in the world and he is planting seeds of good. And we are, if we're following Jesus, we are the product of the work that Jesus ha- did, is doing, and will do. We are the product of that. We are the the children of God that are growing up in the world. And, and so there is good in the world that Jesus is doing, that the Spirit is doing, that we are doing. And so there there is that reality. The yeah. kingdom of God is a current reality as well as a future hope. The kingdom of heaven is a current reality, but so are the kingdoms of humans. You know, one of the things I think of as sort of an Old Testament parallel to this idea, is the idea of the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Saul. And and so, like, Saul was the first king of Israel, right? And and he was appointed, and he is the epitome of a man's man, of a man's king, you know? And he's head and shoulders taller than everybody else. I mean, he looks like a warrior, he looks like a king, but inside he's really just a coward. He's a coward. He was a coward from the beginning, hiding in the baggage. He didn't want to be the king. And then when he is king, he keeps making cowardly decisions, and he, he he's just... He's just a mess. He's a man's king. He is the epitome of what happens when man becomes king. And then there is David, the man after God's own heart. The man after God's own heart, after Yahweh's own heart. And so you have the kingdom of Saul and the kingdom of David. Well, when does the kingdom of David begin? What actually overlaps with the kingdom of Saul. And so you have David being anointed as king while Saul is still the king. And David doesn't kill Saul to take over the kingdom. He doesn't say, hey, you know, listen, I'm the new anointed king. Your time is over. You're out. Instead, he allows Saul. In fact, he respects Saul's authority, and he allows Saul to continue to be the king for the time being until his time is over. And, And then 
David's kingdom becomes its fullness. It becomes what it's intended to be. Of course, it's nothing like Jesus' kingdom, right. but I think it's a great parallel to what's happened right now. We are living in the age. Are we living in the age of Jesus' reign? Yes. Are we living in the age of Saul's reign, of, of the kingdoms of the world? Yes. There's, we're living in the age of overlap, where, where, where Satan is still the ruler of this world. Yeah but so is Jesus. And there are these two clashing kingdoms, and and that's the wheat and the tares, and they're growing up beside one another. And our heart's desire is, end the reign of Saul, end the reign of Satan, end the reign of sin and death, bring an end to it. And the Lord says, be patient. That it will come. The end will come. Mm. And, And I will gather all of my wheat into the barns. I will gather all of you into my house. And I will burn up all of the evil and the sin. The end of that age is coming. Uh, But right now, it's the age of patience. And so we have to exercise that patience. And so we look at the world. We say, why is it broken? Because Satan is still active and Satan is still doing his work. But why is there still so much good? Because the kingdom of Jesus has already begun and he's already doing his work. And we are the product of the seed that Jesus has planted. We are the product of the kingdom of heaven that is right now a current reality, but it's also a future hope because the end of the other kingdoms will come to an end. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauly, as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.